Well, we are going to continue, as I said, in our series on questions. And this is one that has come up in the last couple weeks as well. And we're almost done. I'm only going to do a couple more, and then we're going to move on to probably another part of a book that we've already started. We'll probably work more on that. But uh, this morning, I just want to talk about the subject of how do I overcome temptation? You know, most of us, whether we're willing to admit it or not, are tempted to do things every day that we ought not to do. You know, and if we're honest with ourselves, we even give in more often than we're willing to admit. For a few minutes today, I'd like to, for us to consider what temptation is and how we can overcome areas of temptation in our life. You know, by definition, what is temptation? Well, temptation is being enticed to do that which you know you shouldn't do. It's amazing. I don't know about many of you. I have never gotten like a comprehensive list of things I shouldn't do in life. I mean, I've got the things that my parents have yelled at me not to do. And as I grew up in church, I got the things that I knew that God says I shouldn't do. But nobody ever really sat down and gave me the list of a million and one things that you should never do. It's amazing that God gave us this thing called a conscience. And having this conscience, uh, it really, we know what it means not to, not to do something that we shouldn't do. The Word of God teaches us that. Our conscience reminds us of those things. But temptation is being enticed to do that which you know you shouldn't do. Uh, and that's a pretty common definition according to most dictionaries. Uh, also along with that, it's being allured or swayed into a direction you know isn't right. And uh, I heard a friend say years ago that a friend can get you to do what no one else can. You know, our closest friends can get us to do something that we would never do apart from them getting us or egging us on and swaying us and alluring us to do something that they want to do that we know is not right. I mean, how often does a person rob a bank by themselves? I mean, they always got to have a cohort in crime, right? I mean, you always got to talk somebody into doing what we know is wrong along with us. And uh, a lot of times temptation works that same way, but oftentimes temptation works when we're just by ourselves as well, right? Uh, someone says it has the idea, at least scripturally, it has the idea of being tested. We're going to test you. Do you have what it takes to overcome? Do you have the character to say no? Do you have the ability to not give in to what your flesh wants? It is a test not to give in to the things that you know you should not do, to go in a direction that you know you shouldn't go, and so forth. And temptation pops up in so many directions, in so many areas. I mean, let's just think of a few. Food. Anybody ever tempted to eat food you shouldn't eat? Man, every one of you should have a hand up at one point or another in your life. You've been tempted. I mean, as I say often, if one's good, three's better. I mean, tell me you can just eat one good hot dog. I mean, if it's a good Nathan's hot dog with mayo and mustard and ketchup and pickles and mayonnaise, anybody hungry? So, I mean, I mean, if one is good, three's better. I mean, just, I mean, uh, burgers, man, the mushier the better, man. They t- they, uh, I'm glad you're not hungry. But food, how about TV? Something comes on, you know you probably shouldn't watch that, but there's parts of it that just, man, it's so good, it's exciting, it kind of gets my emotions involved, and it's exciting to watch. And we just give in. Even though we know our judgment says, better judgment says don't. Or how about our even speech? Driving down the road, this guy cuts you off, and immediately you want to what? You're tempted to what? Share some devotional concepts. Share some devotional concept with that person who's being a jerk because he ought to know better. 
than to cut you off and to speed up and then slow down in front of you and you know, try to merge onto the on-ramp when you've got no place to go to the left, but he's bound and determined he's going to get in front of you. Come on. In your speech, you're tempted. Your actions. I'm going to speed up and get around him because he just got up in front of me. Our thoughts. Somebody said something and immediately you want to, oh, I'm tempted to just give him a piece of my mind. Temptation rears its ugly head at the most inopportune times, right? And temptation is that... It's that just that desire to feed the flesh. It's that desire to get even. It's that desire to do something that gratifies your flesh, but you know you shouldn't do it. And you're allured. You're swayed into a direction that you know is not right, and you're being tested. How are you going to handle that? God's Word says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, you've heard this verse a thousand times. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tested beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Let's break this down just for a minute. It says, no temptation has taken you except as common to man. You realize that you're not the only one going through that temptation? You've not been the only one who's going to go through it, and you'll never be the last one to go through it. Everybody goes through temptations, and the one that you're going through, there's been a million other people go through it. You're not alone. You're not the only one that's dealing with this certain temptation to sin. This certain temptation to do that which you know you you shouldn't be doing. This temptation to go in a direction that you know is not right and pleasing to God. You're not alone in this. But he says, God is faithful. And we talked about this in our men's Bible study. As much as Satan wants to see you destroyed, as much as Satan wants to see you take a step in the wrong direction, God wants you to more so, in a greater way, because of his love for you, he wants you to stay in the right direction. As much as Satan may want you and tempt you, God loves you more. He's faithful. And he says, who will not allow you to be tested beyond what you are able. Do you realize that if you're going through a temptation to do something that you should not do, to go in a direction you should not go, to have a reaction that you should not have, I don't care what it may be, that whatever that temptation is, God says there is a way of escape. You don't have to give in. You ever thought about that? You don't have to give in. You know why we give in so often? It's because we want to. That's the truth. We want to give in because, you know, a couple weeks ago we talked about the subject of what is sin. In Scripture, where are the words that God uses for sin in the Bible? And someone put on the Facebook quote, unfortunately, sin is dot, 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 fun. Isn't it, though? I mean, how often do we enjoy our sin? Because it gratifies us and it feeds our flesh and it makes us feel better. And then there's a period of maybe even guilt afterwards because we know we shouldn't have done it, right? But it's fun at the moment. And we give into it. He says, but it's a test. And he said, I'll not allow you to be tested beyond what you are able. He says, I'm, I, there's a way that you can pass the test. You don't have to give in to temptation. He says, but with the temptation, we'll also make a way of escape. Do you realize that every time you are tempted, there's also an alternate plan that is available? I mean, every time you're tempted to say something you shouldn't say there is an alternate thing you can say every time you're tempted to do something you shouldn't do there is something else you can do in place of that he says there is every time a way of escape that you may be able to bear it and i found for myself a lot of times it's just making up your mind to say no i'm not going to give in to this but our flesh likes it our flesh wants it 
We want everyone to know what we think, even though what, what we say really doesn't matter, and they're not going to change their mind, but we're going to keep pushing it because we're tempted to you know, just keep spewing out our mouth. So what are the significant sources of temptation that we often are tempted by? Well, look at James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. James 1 through 13 through 15 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. In other words, God says, if you're tempted, it's not because of me. He's, uh, I'm not giving you so many choices that you're just going to have to, uh, an opportunity to choose the wrong one. Bottom line is, God says, I don't tempt anyone. Nobody is tempted by God. He says, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God does not tempt us to do wrong in any avenue in our lives. But verse 14 says, but each one of us is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now think about that just for a moment. If you are tempted to do something that you know is not right, if you are tempted to go into a direction that you know you should not go, it is for one reason. It's because your flesh is wanting to do it. Period. That's it. It says everyone is tempted when they're drawn away by their own desires and enticed. So if our own desires is what pulls us away into a different direction, then by nature we ought to change our desires so that our desires are in line with what God has for us. Right? I mean, that's the only way. How many of us, you've heard me say this over the years because it's one of my biggest frustrations in life. I can't stand people who don't know how to understand the signs. There's one simple sign that people in our culture do not get. It's the yield sign. If I'm going down the road this way and they're wanting to merge on, there's this little sign called yield. That means they slow up to get in when they can. I'm not supposed to have to switch lanes or speed up or slow down just to accommodate this guy who's in a hurry. Understand what the word yield means, right? When we yield to God, think about this. God's not supposed to speed up or slow down for us right? We're to yield our desires in line with His. And the bottom line is when our desires are in line with God's desires, we will overcome temptation in our life. It means this. We are beginning to love the things that He loves. Desire the things that He desires. Do the things that He would do. When our life falls in line and and we're yielding to Him, then we're in line, in sync with Him. And able to overcome temptation. But he says, no one is tempted of God, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away of his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives, forth, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. You realize that if we continue on the path of sin, God says it will bring forth death. Here's another verse I didn't put up on here, but Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 um, says this, There is a way that seems right to a man. But the end thereof are the ways of what? Death. I don't know about you, but once again, I'm good at justifying what I do. Well, if you would have seen what this guy did, it would give perfect justification as to why I responded the way I did. I can rationalize almost anything under the sun. I can make excuses that, in my mind at least, are valid. Right? Don't be too judgmental because you're the same way. You may not admit it, but you are. We can all justify, rationalize, and excuse why we do what we do. And most of it comes down to what God's Word says, our own desires, what our flesh longs for. And oftentimes, we love what we love more than what God loves. And 
First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world. How many are tempted by the things that are going on in this world? I am. I mean, I'm still, I've been saying it for as long as I can remember the very first commercial where the guy came out Christmas morning and his wife bought a brand new car with a big red bow across it in the driveway with nice, beautiful, you know, fallen snow. I've yet to see that once. Has, it, has anybody actually literally seen that once in their lifetime? A big red bow on Christmas morning because their spouse went and got him a brand new Lexus? I mean, come on. Come on. The world says you've got to have this. The world makes everything enticing. If you have this, I'm, anybody seen the new GMC Denali commercial? The guy's driving down the road playing patty cake while, while the car's driving itself. I'm thinking, that's a cool truck, right? That truck is drive, drives by itself. For 80 grand, you can probably have one. You know, is it a temptation for a lot of people to get the latest, greatest? I'm telling you what, as fast as you buy a computer with an i7 with a terabyte of memory, man, now they got i9s probably. I don't know if that's even a thing now, but they probably, yeah, yeah. i9 with a, with a three terabyte memory and, you know, and 600 gigabyte of RAM. It's just like, as soon as you buy it, something better comes out. And you're tempted, I gotta have the better one. Ah, oh, it drives me nuts. Because I'm tempted by that. I love gadgets. I love technology stuff. I love cars. I love, I was, you know, everyone bashes Jay Leno for having a thousand cars or whatever he's got. Wouldn't that be cool? Just like wake up every day and drive a new car out of the garage? Just for the fun of, why? Just because you can. I mean, why not, right? But you know, we're tempted by, all of us are tempted by different things because we enjoy that. Our desires are to be a part of it, to enjoy it. And he tells us, do not love the world. Or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is what? Not in him. That, ouch. I mean, if I love the things of the world, I think the idea is when I begin to love the things of this world more than I do the things of God. Right? It says, for all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Man, it's the things of this world that tempt us, that allure us, that begin to sway us in a direction that we should not go, into decisions we should not make. And what is basically this world comprised of? 1 Timothy 6.9 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. When we are so captivated by the things of this world and what the things of this world can offer us, and when we begin to buy into the lies of the world that we need these things, and these things will make my life better, and I'll feel better, and I'll look better, and I'll act better if I just have all these things. He says, be careful, it becomes a temptation and a snare. And into many, a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. What happens? It, it destroys man. These things will destroy man. So if we don't understand what this world is trying to do, this tells us. The world is here to say, hey, enjoy it all. Just have every bit of it. It'll make you feel better. It'll make you act better. It'll make you, you know, more satisfied and happy. And we know that's not the truth. So how can we have victory over this temptation that we face? Because all of us face it, right? Every one of us are tempted in different areas. For some people, it's the Internet. For some people, it's material wealth and material goods. 
For other people, it's their speech and how they respond to circumstances that take place around them. Every one of us are tempted to do things that we know are not right, being swayed and alerted to go in directions that we know we should not go. But how do we collectively overcome these areas of temptation in our life? I'm so glad that God gives us the answer to this. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, it says, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Why? So he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. I'm just telling you, there's not a one of us in this room, I don't believe, and I'll just challenge you on it, that your spirit is just so strong that you don't have to, or your flesh is so strong that you don't have any worries in this area. He says, our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. So he says, watch and pray. Be, uh, the, whole, the whole idea behind the word watch is being alert. Why? Because First Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he what? may devour. The devil is uh, no shortage in his minions, no shortage of tempting you to do what's wrong. And the reality is, he said, you better watch. And that has the idea of being on guard, being ready. And then he says what? Pray. Pray. Are we willing to take a moment out of our day and throughout the day to say, Lord, I need your help. I'm tempted to say something I shouldn't say. I'm tempted to do something I shouldn't do. I'm tempted to watch something I shouldn't watch. I'm tempted to respond in a way that does not bring glory to you, God. And we sit there and we say, Lord, I need your help. And what does he say in John 3.31? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 10.13. You have a way of escape. But it's not in your own strength. It's not in your own power. It's in the Spirit of God working in and through you, right? So if we follow the example of, our, of Jesus, he says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. So what's he saying here? If you don't watch and you're not praying, you're going to give into it. But if you do watch and you do pray, you can overcome it. And then he gives us another one in Luke chapter 22, verse 46. He says, Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So he, once again, he reminds them. Let me just say this. I, I think there's a good analogy here. When does most temptation come for many people? In times of weakness? In times of fatigue and tiredness? Some people stay up way too late and do things at night that they ought not do. Go to stinking bed. Literally, go to bed. Go to bed and it would eliminate a lot of it. It's so true. What's another time when you're alone? Most of us are tempted to do things when you're alone too much. When you think nobody else is watching. When you think nobody else is there to see it. Nobody else will know about it. There's always one. That's God. He says to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray. You want to sit around in your fatigue? Pray. Lest you enter into temptation. And I think there's another thing here. Oops. How do we overcome temptation? First of all, you need to guard your mind. Because you know, you ever heard the phrase, guard what you think, because what you think becomes actions, right? Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, 
whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate, think upon these things. Guys, we have to control what we think about. To think about nothing is easy. It's the thinking about nothing that really just kind of gets us in trouble sometimes. But if we would set our mind on the things above rather than things on this earth, as Colossians reminds us, right? If we would think on things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, of virtue, praiseworthy. If we control our mind, it ultimately controls our actions. And then I think another thing we need to do is guard our heart. Why? Because in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Our emotions, our, our, our heart, how our feelings. You can't live there. You realize that? You can't live in your emotions. We live with facts. Our emotions will get us in trouble. Our feelings will get us in trouble. So we don't live there. They're real. They're part of us. That's not where we camp out. We camp out on the truth and the knowledge of God's Word. That's where we find our solid ground. And Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass... Remember, trespass is the idea of sin, right? There's a line that we should not cross. We crossed it. It's a word that, the God, that, God's word, it's a, it's a word that the Bible uses and translates as sin. So he says, if a man is overtaken in any sin or trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. I don't know about you, but it is so easy to point out the flaws in others. Isn't it? Is I mean, everyone else's problems are just glaringly obvious. Boy, he is such a stupid. Look what he did. Boy, she is so dumb. Look what she did. Those things are obvious. When people make mistakes and do things that are not right, they're glaringly obvious. How do you respond to them? He says, you that are spiritual. Wait a minute, that that requires something of me. It's easier to point something out that is wrong in another than to actually help that person overcome that struggle. That's somebody else's job. Somebody else should do that. That's the pastor's job, or the deacon's job, or the Sunday school teacher's job. That's somebody else's job, but it certainly is not my job. Well, it certainly is not if you're not spiritual, because you can't. It's the idea of, I can't give you a million bucks if I ain't got a million bucks to give you. I can't help you in your spiritual struggle if I'm not spiritual myself. You've got to be where you need to be in the eyes of God before you can help someone else be where they need to be in the eyes of God. But it says, you that are spiritual... Question, are you spiritual? I didn't say whether you're religious. I didn't say, do you know a lot of verses in the Bible? I'm saying, are you walking in fellowship with Jesus Christ so that you can help someone else walk in fellowship with Jesus Christ? Because if you don't, you better consider yourself lest you also be tempted. Because the very things that you point out as flaws in others, it's just as easy for you to be a part of that and be that flaw yourself, or have that flaw yourself. One of my professors in college used to always say, there's not the greatest of Christians who can't give in to the greatest of sins in a moment of weakness. So true. Every one of us are capable of the greatest of sins 
in a moment of weakness and living in the flesh. So he says, if anyone's be overtaken in trespass, you who are spiritual, I think that's a good reason to walk with Jesus Christ so you can help others walk with Jesus Christ. So how can we have a victory over temptation? Again, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Just let that verse sink in just for 10 seconds. Jesus, led by the Spirit, into the wilderness, tempted by the devil. Who's the greatest man on the face of this earth ever to walk it? Jesus Christ. I mean, he's God incarnate, God in the flesh, the Holy Spirit walking as man, right? And yet he was tempted. You think you're strong enough to overcome temptation? To not face it? To not have to deal with it? If Jesus faced temptation, why would you think you're not going to face it? Let's be honest with ourselves, right? Luke chapter 4. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 4 just for a moment. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Chapter 4. I want to read a few verses here, beginning with verse 1. Not only being led by the Spirit, look what chapter 4, verse 1 says. Luke 4, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, not only led by it, but filled with, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Forty days. Let that sink in for a minute. Imagine going to battle 40 days in a row. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they ended, he was hungry. You imagine. Forty days without eating. Because 40 days he was fighting the temptations of the devil. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you. That's almost humorous, because he already had all the authority. And he says, And their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish, as if he has any authority to give anything away. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. What did Jesus fight temptation with? The Word. And the power of us, the Father, really. The bottom line is we think we're strong. We're not strong. The only way we can be strong, the only way we can overcome temptation, is to do exactly what Jesus did. Use Scripture. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not, what? Sin. And what did Jesus say? Man, it has been said, man shall not live by bread alone. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. In Hebrews chapter 4, 
in verse 15, it says this. And actually verse 16 as well. Verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Forty days of temptation in the wilderness with the devil. Forty days being tempted by all the things that this world has to offer, yet without sin. Therefore, it says verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. I think all of us need to consider that time of need is when we're being tempted. We need to go boldly to the throne of grace. And that's the amazing thing that at that throne of grace that God is there waiting for us. And the picture that comes to my mind at this moment is this. Remember Peter as he got out of the boat and he started walking on the water, right? And as he's walking on the water, he notices these big waves. And what happened? For just a moment, he took his eyes off Jesus that he was walking to, and he put his focus on the waves, and then he began to what? Sink. Let me read that verse again. Verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What happened in Peter's time of need? He put his eyes back on Jesus and reached out his hand. And what did Jesus do? He took his hand and saved him. Folks, if you want to overcome temptation, you better draw close to Jesus. Go boldly through the throne of grace and you'll find mercy. I think that's just an awesome picture there. He's always there for us. And the only time He's not is when we're not looking for Him, when we're not searching for Him. Yeah, I was reminded Friday night, uh, one of the speakers said Friday night, we need to grab Jesus with both hands. Not one hand, both. He said we're good at leading people to the cross, but we don't ever tell people how to get on it. We need to grab Jesus with both hands. You've got to get close. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18 says, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He understands. He's tempted in every way like you and I are, yet without sin. The temptation in and of itself is not sin, folks. There are temptations every day of our lives. Go to the stinking line, you know, checkout at Wegmans. There are magazine covers right there that if you sit there and dwell on them, temptation turns into sin. Because all of a sudden you begin to think about it and meditate on it and dwell on it and fantasize with it and all these other things because it's right there obviously in front of us at our quick disposal. Temptation is not sin. Temptation becomes sin when you begin to give in to it and start to follow it and go the direction you should not go. The reality is, you want to overcome it? Follow the example of Jesus. Watch. Be on guard. Be ready. Pray. Go to the throne of God boldly to find your grace and mercy. Go to Him for help. That's one of the hardest things for us to do as men especially, but all of us in general, is to ask for help. Right? We don't like to ask for help. Help indicates that we are maybe weak. Right? 
we don't want to let anybody know that we're weak or that we struggle or that we have problems. What will they think? The problem is we think more about what other people think about us rather than more than what we think God thinks of us. Lastly, this is how we overcome. We follow Jesus' example. What are the blessings of overcoming temptation? There are some blessings. Do you know that? When you overcome temptation, there are some blessings involved. What are they? Look at James chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and verse 12. It says this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. Say, so I don't want any more patience. You know, ask your wives. You need it. Trust me, you do. Maybe you need it too, but I know you, I know you guys do. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete. The word perfect there has the idea of mature. You want maturity in your walk with the Lord? You want maturity in your faith? You're going to have to go through some stuff. Lacking nothing. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You overcome temptation, God says there's a crown of life waiting you. If you love the Lord. There is a special blessing that comes from overcoming. I don't know about you, but any time in my life that I can think back where I gave into areas of temptation that I knew I shouldn't have, it was always followed by guilt and frustration. I'm just being honest, right? Anybody else feel that way? The guilt? Because why did I do this? I shouldn't have done this. Why did I do this? I promised God I wasn't going to do it again. I went to God for forgiveness and I told him I wasn't going to do it again, and I catch myself doing it again, and oh, I'm just a miserable failure. Anybody ever felt that? The, the, the beautiful thing of this is that when you go through it, you're made stronger, you're made more like Christ, and you realize that every time, he says, when you go to the throne of grace boldly to obtain what was the word? Mercy. He didn't say to obtain more judgment more chastisement, more getting yelled at and screamed at because you failed again. He says, you go to the throne of grace boldly to find mercy. But it only happens as you go to Jesus, as you're on guard, as you're ready for it, prepared for it, because you know how you're going to respond. You want to overcome Follow Jesus' example. But when you do, he says there's a crown of life awaiting you when you love him. But just for a moment, as I close, when does temptation come? Primarily, the most significant cause of temptation? When we're drawn away of our own desires and enticed. The bottom line is, we've got to put our desires in check with God. And the only way you can do that is to come into sync with Him as you yield your life to His life. As you begin to walk the walk that He wants you to walk. If not, you're going to continue to fail. You're going to continue to give in. Continue to distance yourself and feel more guilt and more shame and more frustration. And it will just be a repetitive cycle that just doesn't change unless you decide you're going to break that cycle, go 
boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy there and know that when you watch and pray, you can overcome it. But you've got to want to do it. You've got to kind of have the same view of sin that God has of sin. Our desires are strong. Our fleshly desires are strong. Our flesh is strong. And we've got to put it in check with what God has for us. Lord, I pray as we come before you, Lord, I, I don't know what temptations people in this room are going through, but I do know that you went through everything that was common to man. And every temptation that anyone in here is facing is common to man because you said it was. The bottom line is, Lord, we face things every day when our desires are not in sync with yours. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to do that so that we can see victory, so that we can see your hand at work in our lives. And I pray that you'd help us, Father, because we do want to please you. We want to bring glory to your name, even through the aspects of our life, Lord. And I pray, God, that you'd help us this morning to understand that, to practice it, to apply it, Lord. So, Lord, I pray you'd work in all of our hearts this morning, work in our hearts as you did mine. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, every week we have an opportunity to respond to the things that we heard. It's not a response to me. It's your response to God. How would God have you to respond to what you heard today from his word? If you're honest with yourself this morning, you might be saying, well, there's some areas of struggle in my life, some areas of temptation. Maybe you've even say, if I'm honest with myself, I'm giving in to them. But there's some things that God has brought to my attention that I know are not right. Some areas I'm being allured in, some areas I'm being swayed to walk into that I know is not pleasing to God. And God has brought that to my attention. God has challenged me with that convicted me of that, and I need to make some things right this morning. We say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Yes. Yes. In the back, the front, the sides. Yes. Or on the auditorium. That's that 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There's no temptation taking you, but such as common to man. We all face them. The question is, what will you do in response to that? What will you do? It's one thing to acknowledge it. It's another thing to do something about it. So this morning, what would God have you to do? I think the first thing is, once again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, to, to repent of it. If I know I'm doing something that we know is not pleasing to God, I need to repent of it. <coughs> Ask God to forgive me of it. I need to confess it. Whatever it is that you're being tempted in, that you, the temptation you're giving into, say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And God, help me not to do it. With your power, with your strength, help me to overcome. Just take a moment and pray. Give it to the Lord. Nail that sucker on the cross. Whatever it is, give it to God. Give it to Him. And approach His throne with boldness to obtain mercy and grace. And He'll give it to you. I don't care what you've given into in the past. I don't care what you've, you know, whatever steps you've taken in the wrong direction. Turn around now with God's help. Just confess it before the Lord. Give him, give it to him. And, and, and just, once again, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Rely on his strength because your flesh is not strong enough. Watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. That means be on guard. Be ready and pray. Be prayed up. Be prayer strong. Anyone else say, Pastor, pray for me as we close. Yes. 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 
few minutes. Let's just take a moment and pray right there where you're at, and then I'm going to close in prayer. Lord God, you know our hearts. You know the very things that we're tempted by. And God, we, I believe we want to surrender them to you. But we cannot do it in, our, in and of ourselves. We cannot do it in our own strength. We cannot do it in our flesh because, with God, we are too weak. But I pray, God, that you would help us to, as we realize what these areas are to surrender them. Not just areas of sinfulness, but our wrong responses, when we're tempted to say things that we should not say, tempted to think things we shouldn't think, when we're tempted to do things that we should not do that would not give a clear picture of Jesus in our life. God, help us to overcome the temptation to go those in those directions. Be with each one who raised their hand, their heart towards you this morning, Lord. Give them victory, I pray, God, immediately. Your Holy Spirit, work in our hearts to draw us so close to you, Lord, that we would overcome the temptations of being in our flesh. God, would you help us give strength to everyone who raised their hand and their heart towards you this morning, that we might see the blessing of overcoming it, that we become more like you, and Lord, one day receive that crown of life that awaits us for those that love you. So God, work in our hearts. Draw us close to you. And we'll praise you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.